Thank you, Victoria. Well, we've been working through the book of Romans. I made it all the way to chapter 2. Hey, I think I'm making great progress. If you guys have been with me on my Tuesday nights, you know that this is fast. <laughs> um, last time we were in the book of Romans, Paul was talking about um, everybody. Lots of y'all statements, and you know, he's talking about everybody. And this time he's going to turn his attention to the Jewish people in particular. Now, because it's the people in, or he's writing this letter to the book in Rome, it's not like all Jews. It's, he's speaking directly to the, the Jews in Rome. And, um, you know, he just finished saying, because of the wrath of God, people have been turned over to their own desires, turned over to the way of the beast. I think I gave a whole list, mostly sexual sins, that that, that what that looked like, these, this path. He's saying this is the path that leads to destruction, and I'm, he's turn, not just allowing it, he's turning you over. He say, if you want to follow your own way, you want to follow your own path, you want to follow, this is what the world is doing. You want to follow your own path, that path leads to destruction. I don't like it, sorrowful, but... You want to be your own gods, be your own gods. And so as Paul speaks, he takes this moment to say, Jews, speaking to the Jewish people there, Jews, you cannot judge those people who were turned over to the beast because you too are guilty of sin. So you can't judge one another. Now, judge, that's one of those words that we like to misuse in our modern context, right? We like to, what, is, you know, what does judge mean? I mean, I've been called judgmental because I said, it looks like you're having a bad day to someone. You're being judgmental. Wait, wait, wait. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it's saying uh, uh, judge. For us, often we talk about judge, we're talking about making rules of right and wrong. That's what we talk about. Um, but Paul, he's using judge differently here. He's using the word judgment as is to make a final ruling in a trial. This is trial speech. To say you are guilty, the guilty party, and this is what's going to happen to you because of it. Judgment. And they're saying the Jews were tempted to say, look at all them Gentiles, all them non-Jews. They've been turned over to the way of the beast. And because we're so much better than them, They don't accept the way. They're not going to Paradiso. 
or then in more, so they're going, not just they're not going to heaven. They want to condemn them to hell. Or there's that cuss word, damn you to hell, which is what that means. Curse you to hell. But Paul is saying, but you can't judge them guilty. You can't judge them guilty because you too are guilty. Remember, it's not just, you know, the Jews, Jews and Jesus over here and, and everyone else. It's Jesus is over here and everybody else. And Paul is saying, you are guilty to you Jews, you religious, you church people are guilty too. And Paul will go on in this passage, he describes three ways in which God judges for both the Jews and the Gentiles, for all human race, including his chosen people. Um... Truth, works, and light received is how he words it. Interesting enough, as we look at this, the judgment here is not whether you are going to be saved or not. Paul's very clear on that. Only Jesus saves us. God does not play favorites with people. But what he does is measures the truth measures the works and the light received among his people. So let's look at those three things. Truth. We know that God is love, right? You say, well, God is love. But God is also truth. He's not truthful, but he is truth. Isn't that what John 14, 6 says? We like, I am the way the truth, and the life. That means he is the truth. He is the truth. He's not just truthful. He's not just a good moral being. He is the truth. And God being truth bases his judgment on truth. It would be hypocritical for anyone to think that God's true judgment would apply particularly to just one group of people or another group of people. God judges the Gentiles. He also judges the Jews in the same way because he is truth. I know some of you in this room are wondering why God is so tolerant with non-Christians. The truth is, he's, 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 he's tolerant with all of us. <laughs> truth. So he judges us by the truth that he is. He also judges us according to works. Psalm 62, 12. And faithful love belongs to you, Lord, for repay each according to his works. Mm. 
God will judge based on the work we have done. Now, this is, I got to go back. This is not a question of salvation. We must keep that in mind. Ephesians, also written by Paul. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith from, this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not from works, so that no man may boast. Paul is very clear. This is not about your salvation. Salvation is always by faith. Paul's not contradicting himself here. What he's saying is we are judged by what we do. So in the end, there's some sort of judgment based on the work we do. If we, those who bring honor, we, we take it out of the honor and shame society that it was written in. Those who bring honor to Christ's name are honored. Those who bring shame to Christ's name are shamed. And so we got to keep that in mind. It's an honor-shame society. He's saying, it's not just you do good, you get more money in heaven. That's not what he's talking about here. That may make sense in our our modern society, but that's not how that works. Those who bring honor to Christ are honored. Those who bring shame are shamed. Once again, the focus of God is that he does not show favoritism to both the Jews and the Gentiles. So we're judged by the truth. We're judged by works. We're also judged by the light. Now, that's an interesting one. God will judge according to the light a person has received. In other words, God's righteousness will not allow them to be held responsible for what they never possessed. Now, he's already told them that all people in the world can believe in God because it's written in his very creation. That's already clear, and we've already talked about that. It's written in the very creation. It's been made plain to them. See, 119. His eternal power, his divine nature, it's written in every person. So no one is without, it has an excuse. But Paul warns against the Jewish moralist not to view themselves Less likely to be judged because they are, because they know, but more likely to be judged because they know. The Gentile brethren who live godly lives to the best of their abilities without the law, having the law, without having been growing up in the teachings, without they're ignorant. And so God's not going to judge them because they're ignorant. But a Jew knew better. 
And so this is, I mean, this is the, one of the reasons the, the, the Jews are so very confused. They tended to view that judgment was based on possession of the law, of privilege, of their Jewish faith. Whereas God says judgment is based on how faithful we are with what we possess. A Jew, or any person for that matter, with great access to the word and the will of God who practices none of it will be held far more accountable than a Gentile or any person who possesses just a little bit of it. Who actually practices it. I had the privilege of meeting a young man who came to Christ and all he had was three pages of a Bible. He was from a country that Bibles were illegal or if not illegal, very frowned upon. Not like us, you know, we have Bibles everywhere. How many of you have multiple Bibles? I know I do. If you don't have multiple Bibles, you just go online and type it in and you got it. And he had three pages. And so he's saying, Jews, you can't judge these Gentiles because they didn't know. They grew up in a society that didn't know. And I think about that as our society shifts further and away from Christ. There are people that are going to be believers that won't have access to Bibles. At one time in the United States, a Bible was in every single home. That's not true anymore. And so they're going to behave, they may be believers, but they're going to behave differently than you think they should because we're moralizers. And they're just trying to live life according to what they can figure out in God. I know when we think about our place in this story, you know, we're Gentiles. Well, again, most of us in this room. We're Gentiles. Thank God he did not restrict it just to the Jews. Salvation is not just for the Jews. We were elected as non-believers. God had this plan that says we're going to bring in all people. And it's not restricted just to Jews. Praise God. We can have Christ too. But as we read the letter, we find ourselves 2,000 years later having more in common with the Jewish people then we do the Gentile people. We're the people of God. We're the believers of Jesus Christ. We're the ones that read our Bibles. We come to church. We're around other people that know the Scriptures. And we tend to be the ones that are moralizers. 
The ones who say, look at them, aren't you glad we're not one of them? We're the ones that should know better. And really, why should they know better? We always say, why, they should know better, right? You should know better. But why should they know better? They don't know Christ. They may know we're against it, right? Judgmental con- condemnation, but they don't know Christ. Why are we surprised when the world acts like the world? Instead of judging them and condemning them for acting like the way they're going to act, what should we be doing? That's what Paul's talking about. He's, remember, bring it back to the point of the book, right? The point of the letter was, y'all, let's go share the gospel. So instead of judging them for what they don't know, y'all, let's go spread the gospel. Because the gospel's for all. Instead of focusing on what they're doing wrong, which is often where we find ourselves, right? Look at them. Look at what they're doing. We should be focused on, do they know Jesus Christ? Do they, are they growing in his truth? Because isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be growing in his truth? Some of us have got to the point where you're like, no, I'm too old to grow. Do you know that approximately, let me look, 7,400 people groups are still unreached. That's people groups. That's groups of people that speak different language dialects in regions of the world. 7,400 people group are unreached. That means they have not been, some of them don't even have Bibles in their languages. They don't have access to the scriptures. Not just some of them are hostile, but they don't have access to it. And then there's, on top of that 7,400, there's groups of people that are actively hostile against Christianity. When I grew up, even here in the United States, I grew up living in a world where I was in, you know, raised in church, and I grew up in a world that I thought everyone knew, at least had heard who Jesus was. I mean, he's on TV all the time, right? I mean, we live in, when I graduated high school, 77% of the United States claimed to be Christian of some form. Now, that number's down to 63%. Um, but still, 60, I mean, it's the majority of people, right? But I learned the hard way that not everyone has ever heard of who Jesus was. I had a, a guy I knew, let's call him Tim. Tim was, um, well, he sat, started sitting with my friend group because we were uh, we would share our food with him because he didn't have any. 
um, and we were friendly to him, and he was safe with us. In a, you know, I grew up in a place where, uh, surrounded by the Navajo Reservation, it wasn't always a great place. Lots of gang activity, lots of drugs, lots of... Um, I, didn't think, I didn't know there was a different way of growing up. Um, and so Tim started sitting with us because... We sat with the few, there was a few solid outspoken Christians in the school. Though it doesn't mean there weren't a lot of Catholics or a lot of Mormons or a lot of other people that claimed religion, but we were the outspoken ones that actually tried to act up our faith and and that kind of stuff. And we were outspoken and um, started the Bible studies and that kind of stuff. Um, And he started sitting with us because we were safe. We were friendly, and because we shared our food. (laughs) He never asked for money. He just asked for, you know, can I share your fries? But then one day we were talking, we were sitting around talking about Jesus, because we were that group. And he leaned over and said, I've heard you mention Jesus before, but I have no idea who that is. And he was in the United States. In his time where I grew up thinking everyone had at least heard his name. How many of you were in that boat? You think everyone's at least heard his name. But that's just not true. And for some... The only word of Jesus they ever hear is is a cuss word, right? I had an aha moment. Not everyone knows who Jesus is. I don't know what happened to Tim after we graduated from high school. I went to Kentucky and he stayed on the reservation. I have no idea what happened to him. I was amazed he didn't know. And I was thinking about that as I was reading this passage about how we're going to be judged based off of his truth, based off of our works, but also the light we received. Tim didn't really have a chance. I fully believe God's going to judge me harsher because I had every chance. And I think as we think about these passages, the first thing we got to ask ourselves is, you know, we say, well, what's the next steps with this? What are our next steps? The first thing we got to say is, have I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? Is he part of my life? You see, not just, I don't want to get past that hell, you know, that hell line, right? I don't want, you know, as long as you're my Savior, I don't really need a Lord. I just need a Savior. And that's, is He the King of my life? Is He growing in me? Am I growing in the Spirit? 
But we're the group of people. We're here. We're responsible. We have this, the, every opportunity to know Jesus. We're like the Jews there. We have every opportunity. We have to say, you know what? I got to stop judging, condemning people to hell. And I got to start loving. I got to start loving. And part of that love is to say, you know what? There's a path that leads away from all this destruction, that leads away from the way of the beast, that leads away from all that. Y'all, it's the gospel of Jesus. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to show you the path that leads away from all that. So we can lift people up to heaven, lift them up and show them the gospel. Because the gospel's for all. Because Jesus' truth is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Father God, right now I praise you, Lord. I pray that, Lord, we not be moralizers. That we not condemn people for stuff they don't know any better. But Lord, we become people that love and show your truth to the world around us using the gifts you have given us. Lord, I pray that we may be people that take the gospel with us wherever we go. Not just preaching, but using those gifts you have given us to show your love, your kingdom. Lord, I pray that as we face opposition from people that are turned that have been turned over to the way of the beast, Lord, that we recognize that we too are guilty of sin and we can love them all the more. Because we've got your forgiveness, not forgiveness of our own. So, Lord, I praise you. I thank you. I pray that you make in us people that are continuing to grow and become more and more like you as we worship together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul, he's he's turning his attention from all of y'all to a specific group here in this passage. He's kind of focusing in on the Jews at this point. Or, and then speaking to the Christians. Now remember, Paul has just finished speaking. Last time we met, we talked about this, that that those who are of the world have been turned over because of the wrath of God have been turned over to their own desires of their hearts. It's not just that he's allowing stuff. He says, because of the wrath, because you have done wrong, because you are choosing to be your own gods, I'm going to turn you over. 
And I'm going to put my phone on silent because I forgot to do that. So I bet there's some of you that need to do the same thing. All right. So he said, because of your wrath, you're going to get turned over to the way of the beast, that way that leads to destruction. But he said, he takes a moment here. He says, he says, they've been turned over to the way of the beast, and yet we cannot judge them. Because we too are guilty of sin. We too are guilty of sin. We cannot judge another. Now judge, that's one of those, those words that we, we misuse all the time, isn't it? I mean, we use scriptures to kind of put our way of thinking back on the scriptures. For us, we often use about judgment like, you know, we're making a ruling or saying what's right or wrong. Hey, I got called judgmental or judging someone just because I said, it looks like you're having a bad day today. How many of you guys have been there? Like, are you having a bad day? That's judging me. Wait, 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 wait. Paul's not using the word judgment that way. See, when Paul uses the word judgment, he's not saying, you know, because we use it like, if you have a point of view, you're being judgmental. If you're criticizing, you have a point of view. No, he's using it to say, this is the final ruling on the subject. As if you are the judge of a court. Paul is using courtroom language here. So when he says you cannot judge, see the judge's responsibility was to hear the complaint and to make a judgment. What is to happen to that person on account of the complaint or the incident? And so he's saying you cannot judge, you cannot Say, this is what's going to happen to them because you too are not free from the same judgment that is deserved. The Jews have often said, Gentiles, you guys have been turned over to the way of the beast, not us. You guys can't get into heaven. Because we can. You, you guys, or even worse, y'all are going to hell, but we're good. And that was the Jewish thought. Remember, for a long time, it was the Jewish world that had been elected. And now Paul's coming in and saying, God has elected more now than just y'all, but you ins. <laughs> And, and so, so he's saying, yo, we've got more than just what you guys are thinking. And you guys are over there sitting there saying, well, we're good over here because we have the law. We have the prophets. We have all these rules and regulations we follow. And he says, but it's not for you to judge. Because he's chosen the whole human race. It's not 
Jesus and this group over here is Jesus and then everybody else are sinners. And Paul is going to go on and describe three ways that God is going to judge both the Gentiles and the Jews because he doesn't show favoritism for the whole human race, his chosen people and the people that were not so chosen originally. He's going to judge according to the truth. He's going to judge according to works and towards the light that is received. Now, when he's talking about this judgment, he is not talking about salvation. God does not play favoritism. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, Paul's not going to override, that he's not going to contradict himself or Jesus. He's going to say, but God, he's, he's telling us, God is going to judge us on these things. And so let's look, at, let's look at these three things. Truth. You know, we know God is love, right? We, we love that passage, right? God is love. But God is also truth. John 14, 6, uh, 6, yeah, it says, says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hear that? I am the truth. Not a truth, not your truth, not a version of the truth, not truthful. I am the truth. That's it. The truth. He's not a good guy who's truthful. He is the truth. And being the truth, God's judgment on the truth, it would be hypocritical to think that he would judge anyone impartially because, based on something other than the truth that he is. So he judges the Gentiles. He's also going to judge the Jews in the same way. So many of you Christians out there, you're like, why is God being tolerant with those non-Christians or those people that are doing wrong? The truth is, he's being tolerant with all of us. He says, I'm going to judge you by the truth. I'm going to judge you by your works. Now, i got to read. It says, Psalm 62, 12. And faithful love belongs to you, Lord, for you repay each according to his works. God judges based on what we are doing and have done. This is not, i got to repeat this. This is not a question of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For you've been saved by grace, through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift, not of works. So no man can boast. It's not about salvation. When he's saying, he's not, he's not contradicting himself here. He's not saying you're going to be judged for salvation purposes. He's going to say, what he's saying here is we are judged by what we do. See, we've got to put ourselves back in in a world that isn't our own. They're in an honor-shame society. 
You bring honor, you bring shame. Both can be seen as a good thing. You can shame people into getting back into social norms. You can honor people. Honor is the more honor you have, the better off you are, right? The more respect you have, the more you seek honor. And so in this honor-shame society that Paul is writing in, so a lot of times we want to make Paul an American. He's not. The honor-shame society Paul is writing in, he's saying those who bring honor to Jesus Christ are going to be honored. Those who bring shame to Jesus Christ are going to be shamed. So you're judged by your works because you're, who you're bringing honor or shame to. Not a question of salvation, but if you honor Jesus Christ, you're going to be honored. And if you shame Jesus Christ. Once again, the focus is on God. And He doesn't show favoritism. We honor Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we ask, do my actions bring honor or shame to Jesus Christ? And it's really, you say, well, what about this? If we're being legalistic, we start laying down, well, this is a sin and this isn't a sin because it lays out, you know, your iPhone is not in the Bible. I'm just going to throw it out there. But you can know whether something's a sin on that iPhone. Does it bring honor to Jesus Christ? Or does it bring shame? And if it doesn't do either one, well, you're probably okay. You know, like... Does he care about whether you watch, you know, Jeopardy on your phone or not? Well, I guess it depends on whether you bring honor with your knowledge of, through Jeopardy. I, but does it bring honor or shame? You know it's a sin if it brings shame to Jesus Christ. God doesn't show favor. He says, all of you all. Jews, Gentiles, you're going to be judged by your honor or shame. He says you're also going to be judged according to the light a person receives. Now that's kind of a fun one, isn't it? God's righteousness will not allow him to hold anyone responsible for what they never repossessed. Can you imagine God doing this? Okay, I'm going to give you some 20s. You don't get none, but I'm going to give you some 20s, and then I'm going to hold you responsible for the 20s he loses. That's not how God works. Now, we know it's not a, 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 an issue of salvation, because God, Paul has just said, in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, we know that God has made plain through his creation that all may believe. It's not about Everyone in this world, whether they've been preached to or not, can know that God is real because of creation. Because He has written it on the very stars themselves. But we want to make it where everyone has had a Bible in their hand. And where everyone has heard... And where everyone has, well, why are they acting the way they act? They know, should know what's wrong. Why? We, the Jews at that time, they were, they were feeling like, well, they would be judged less harshly because they had the law. They had the prophets. They had 
the, the rules and the regulations and the preachers and the rabbis. and the, They knew. They went to synagogue and they knew. They made the sacrifices. And God says, actually, you're going to be judged harder because you had access. You knew the truth. Why would I judge those people that didn't know? I think about that passage in Jonah, right? God says to Jonah, go and tell the Ninevites, you know, and Jonah's like, no, and then he eventually goes after God has a big fish swallow him up and um, gets vomited back out and all this stuff, and he goes and preaches eight words, and then the whole town repents, and, and, and God, then he goes up on, Jonah goes up on the mountain, like, waiting for God to destroy everybody, and he's like, and he gets upset about it to the point where he wants to commit suicide because they don't commit, because they, God doesn't destroy him. And, and God's like, why would I destroy people that don't know the left hand from the right? Why would, they, this is the same attitude here. I've got to judge them according to what, the, the, what they possess. Paul began, he, he tells them that, that it's, it, you know, you can't be just, those wicked Gentiles have been turned over to their own desire, but a Jew or any person with great access to the, the word and will of God and practices none of it will be judged a lot harder than someone who has none of the access and practice very little of it. God's chosen people wanted to treat people differently because they weren't chosen. And Paul says, God doesn't have favoritism. Now, we're Gentiles, right? At least most of us are Gentiles. Thank God. Thank God that God did not restrict his salvation to the Jewish people. God says, I want to save the whole human race. Jews and Gentiles alike, we're Gentiles. Unless you were born a Jew, went through that Jewish practice, you... But as we read this letter... 2,000 years later, I think we have more in common with the Jews in this passage than we do the Gentiles. I say that because we have the access. We have Bibles. Some of you have, I don't know about you guys, I have, I have several Bible translations. How many of you guys have multiple Bible translations sitting on the shelf? A lot of them you don't even read. Like you've got your favorites. Well, you got them sitting on the shelf, and they're all, we've got the access. You live here in the United States, you say, well, I don't, you, you go to a library, you can rent it. You go to a hotel, you can take one. You go to the online, you can download it. You can listen to it. You go to LaughlinChurch.com, LaughlinChurch app, you can listen to it and read it right there in the app. 
We've got the access. But yet we treat people that are not us like they're... We're, aren't, we, aren't you glad we're not them? We find ourselves being the judgmental ones. Judging people. that We find ourselves being the moralizers. We find them saying like, you should know better to people. Why are we surprised when the world acts like the world? They don't know any better. They're going to act like the world because that's what they know. You know, I knew a guy, um, had the privilege of meeting him back when I was in college. And he came to Christ. And you know how he came to Christ? He had three pages of the Bible. Someone had given him three pages of a Bible. And we have so many copies. He was one of the most faithful people I ever known. Now he knew three pages. He had them memorized. Instead of judging and condemning the world for acting like the world, what's the passage telling us that we should be doing? Well, we got to go back to the point of the letter. Remember, this is the letter to the book of Romans. And what was the point of the letter? Y'all, let's go spread the gospel. That was the point of the letter. Let's partner together. Let's go spread the gospel. Instead of judging others for what they're doing wrong, we should be focusing on do they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, which means we believe that we can't do this on our own. You can't do this on your own. And you need a king of your life. He'd make him king of our lives. Love Jesus. Are they, do they know Jesus? And are they growing in the truth of Jesus Christ? I know some of you are in this room and you're like, well, I'm too old to be growing no more. That's not how spiritual growth works. If you're this side of the grave, you still got growth to do. Did you know that there's an estimated 7,400 people groups that are con still considered unreached? People groups. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about people groups. These are people that speak languages, dialects in the world that don't have access to the scriptures. Do not know Jesus Christ. 7,400 people groups that are considered unreached. You know, I grew up in a, a world where, you know, when I was growing up in high school, I thought everyone knew who Jesus was. I mean, he's on TV at least. I thought everyone knew Jesus. You know, in the United States, when I graduated high school, 77% of all Americans claimed to be Christians. That's down to 63%. But 77% when I graduated high school claimed that they were Christians. So I thought everybody knew. Everyone. 
you know, God told, showed me how wrong I was in high school. I met a man, let's call him Tim. I'm not going to use his real name. Let's call him Tim. He, uh, he started sitting with me and my friends. Now, my, the people I sat with at lunch were those outgoing Christian types, you know, those annoying ones. We started the Bible study. We talked about Jesus everywhere. We were the, we were the ones doing see you at the pole all year round. Um, we had our Bible study at lunch group. We were, we were committed Christians, and we had, um, and we talked about Jesus. Now we had a, a guy. Let's call him Tim, who ended up sitting with us. Why did he sit with us? Because he didn't have anything. We share his French fries with us. He sat with us because we were safe. I grew up in a, a, a place where there was a lot of gang activity. Where there was, you know, there were halls you didn't go down because you, you might get jumped. There was drugs and, and, and uh, gun shoot, gu- guns being brought to school and, uh, you know, and uh, stabbings at the school. And, you know, that's, that's, what, that's why I didn't know there was, a, you know, that was not normal. I thought that was normal. Because um, that's, that's how I grew up. And he started sitting with us because we were safe. See, we didn't start preaching at him. He just knew we were a safe table to sit at. And then one time, God gave me this aha moment because I thought everyone knew, at least had heard Jesus Christ in a way that was not more than just a, a cuss word. And then he, one day, we're sitting there enjoying lunch. Uh, the one of the few times I didn't escape to the library. Uh, and uh, we've been, we were talking about Jesus, you know, and, and the Bible and debating, because we were also that group that debated some of the points of Christianity, different denominations, you know, we were that group. Um, and he goes, he stops us and says, you know, I've heard you guys talk about Jesus before but I don't know who he is. Had never heard who Jesus was. And I thought, I grew up thinking everyone had. And I had this aha moment that even here in the United States, it was wrong to assume people had even heard Jesus. That means your neighbor, who you think, oh, everyone knows, there's a church on every corner. Some of you guys come from the South, where there are, if there's an intersection, there's a church on it. And you think, well, everyone's heard Jesus because there's a church on every... No. The reality is, many of them have not heard who Jesus is. They might have heard of church. But they don't know who Jesus is. So we've got to say, well, if we're going to fit in this picture, we've got to stop focusing on moralizing, condemning the world for being the world, being surprised when the world acts like the world. We've got to start turning ourselves to Jesus. We gotta take that gospel, the power of gospel, and we don't take just the power of gospel through you know. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Have you heard? 
have you heard about Jesus today? And Tim didn't sit down and just listen to me because I knocked on his door and said, let me tell you about Jesus. He sat down with us because we shared the love of Jesus. And he'd given us, everyone in that group, God had given us different groups, different gifts. We had people in that group that were givers so that Tim didn't go hungry on the weekends because his family didn't have food. Some of us were teachers. Some of us were mercy givers, servants. We sat at that table. I don't know what happened to Tim. I really don't. I went to college in Kentucky. He stayed on the reservation. Don't know. Think about him all the time, though. But I know we have got to take the gifts that God has given us and in those gifts spread the gospel. Not to just people we like or we want to be, but to all. Because the gospel is for all. And not everyone has a choice. When you say, well, you should know better. Do they? Do they? Of course not. Here in Laughlin, see, the, uh, I did the math. See, we, we say that 66% of, of, of people come to, uh, uh, are Christians. In, in, in Laughlin, we have this church and the Catholic church, right? Let's throw them in with us because they're a form of Christianity as well. Some of them are not believers. Some of them are, just like there are here. But let's just take church attendance, Right? With their attendance and our attendance, we might equal 2% of Laughlin. Might. On a good day, Easter, we might reach 5%. And we want to say, well, everyone's heard about Jesus. My, friend, my neighbor doesn't need to hear a word of Jesus. Not how that works. Paul was saying to the to the, the church in Rome, which was a hostile place to live for for Jews. Uh, very hostile. There are going to be crucif- There's going to be uh, martyrdoms. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be times that the Jews are actually physically told you will leave town. Um, and Paul saying team up with me we can't forget to take the gospel into this world he doesn't judge them and say well let's condemn Nero because he's he says we need to take the gospel so as we think about our next steps our next steps have to be first of all have we accepted Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior more than just saying, I need help, but he's the one who saves us from the punishment of that sin. He says, we're all condoned to die, 
because of so the punishment of sin is death, which is that path that he's turned us over to. He says it's only through Jesus Christ that we get out of that path. And it's only through Jesus Christ we become a Lord of our lives, the King of our lives. The next, next thing we have now is, am I taking the gifts that God has given me, am I using it to spread the message of Jesus Christ to the world? I'm not saying go out there and be an evangelist and preach. And I'm saying, are you using the gift God has given you? So I don't know what my gifts are. Start with uh, Romans chapter uh, 12, 12. Start there. We'll get there eventually. We won't go through each gift. We've already done that. You can go back and listen to the old sermon series on that. Or you can go to Laughlin uh, Church app and there's the Real You Assessment. But then we also have to say, I'm not going to condone the world. I'm not going to condemn the world. I'm not going to... I'm going to lift it up to heaven and show the gospel power of the gospel for all. Father God, Lord, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for the wonderful blessing of just being here. Lord, I pray that we may take serious this call to go and make disciples. Lord, that we may love people because you are love. Preach truth because you are truth. And walk in your way because you are the way. Lord, I pray that, that Lord, we may turn our eyes upon you. Put our focus in on you. That we may share the gospel, that we may not bring shame to your name through our actions, words, and that we bring honor to you. As we worship you, we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.